Who were we before shame told us we weren't enough? I asked myself that question three years ago and I haven't stopped since. You see, shame tells us that we're alone in how we feel, that it doesn't matter what we think or say or believe. Every part of us that feels unfindable, unreachable, unseeable, unlovable has shame in it. And I believe so fervently that there is power in speaking to that shame. So join me as we reclaim the space that shame has taken up. Hello, you wildly incredible human being. I'm so grateful that you exist. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm the host of Speaking to Shame, Emily Stearman. And what a day it is. You're here with me. We're going to talk about my favorite thing to talk about, shame. But we're going to do it with somebody who is incredible, like we always do here on Speaking to Shame. Today, though, we have our in-house shame slayer, licensed therapist Erica Nordfeldt. If you haven't had a chance to listen to episode two of Speaking to Shame, that is Erica's introduction to this community, and I would highly recommend that you go spend some time learning from her, basking in her wisdom. Tonight's episode, though, was an incredible experience to record. The entire time we were recording, there was this palpable energy. It reminded me just how much power there is in this work. Find people like Erica and sit by them because they are doing groundbreaking, authentic, vulnerable work for people and for their healing. Without further ado, therapist of eight years, Erica Nordfeldt, our very own shame slayer. Erica, thank you. You're welcome. Always excited to be here. And I just love the slame slayer. That's hard to say, but that sounds very superhero-esque. I think, so I'll take it. I think it works. We'll get you a cape, a t-shirt. We'll yes. just add it to our t-shirts. We've no already capes. got a list. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll do like a fanny pack instead okay, of a slayer pack. on it. That seems more on brand for two moms. But I will, Yeah, a mask for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We're so glad that you're here with us tonight on Speaking to Shame. This episode is the culmination of many of our talks, I feel like. In all this work that we're doing to, I guess, mitigate shame, we have to talk about an incredible piece, and that's vulnerability. I think in the tool bag of healing from past shame and working through current and future shame, vulnerability is like the trusty hammer of the tool belt. It's you use it for so many things. It's usable and appropriate for a lot of situations. I guess in your opinion or in your thoughts, like as a therapist, what do you think of when you hear the word vulnerability? Mm-hmm. It's funny. First, I and I've even talked about this with clients or different places where I may be speaking that I, I call attention to just your body's initial response. Like mm. as much as I have talked and somewhat preached to the the vulnerability choir and, and trying to, you know, invite more of this into our daily experience, there's still a reaction of like, ugh, ah! because vulnerability is by nature uncomfortable. Like mm. we hear this often just throughout different ways that that word is referenced, that I feel vulnerable, I feel exposed, I feel naked. And, yes. and that is the quality that somewhat creates that vulnerable feeling. And so 
initially, because I'm a human too, that is often that, that response is still, it's like, ooh, kind of a cold chill of like. Spiders down your back. But yet because of the deeper meaning, at least that I personally attach to it, there's also like a power, Mm. a power to that chill. There's also somewhat of a call to courage (laughs) because no one can practice vulnerability without also practicing courage and bravery it requires that like I have again in in the various ways that I've maybe discussed this I've asked people to think of a time when you have seen someone do something very brave that you appreciated or somehow you looked at and you're like oh wow that was courageous and was that not also vulnerable Mm. they always show up together Mm. It's interesting to bring courage into this discussion because until I learned more about vulnerability, I would not have thought immediately of courage, right? Like the scared feeling of vulnerability actually would have made me think, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be vulnerable. I want to stay safe, you know, in this, this bubble, the, co- the confines of the walls that I'm comfortable in. But exactly what you just said, courage is, I think, the price of vulnerability. We have to use courage when we go to that place. Um, and it allows us to go bravely into this uncharted territory of, you know, like, like you said, the shivers down our spine, that cold new frontier of, wait, what's going to happen next? I don't really know because I've never done this before, but we're here, we're showing up, you know, vulnerable. Makes me think of the Teddy Roosevelt quote you say it best you want to share the Teddy I don't know if I I'm not really good at (laughs) quoting the whole quote well um because this is shout out to Brene this is all her stuff and this is this is in um you know a lot of her work and and literature it definitely shows up a lot in um her (laughs) second book (laughs) um and I'm blanking on the name no No. that was the fourth one oh my gosh you're such a I it's right okay hold on it's right here (laughs) She's daring getting, greatly, daring, daring greatly. <laughs> I feel so silly that I didn't remember that. Um, so I can't quote it. Okay, we've got it. We're back with the quote. Okay, so again, this is Teddy Roosevelt, and this is the man in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong, how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of triumph high achievement. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So that, shall, that place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So that's actually where the book got its name, was in Daring Greatly. Mm. The idea, and she actually expounds on this even more of, of kind of an analogy of, of the arena, that the people that 
are are daring greatly are those that are going out and trying to be their most vulnerable selves and they're also the ones that are getting beat up like mm. if we're thinking of a literal arena yeah. back in roman times that's where the gladiators which i actually just watched a couple nights ago <laughs> so good russell crowe every so time good. so good in a tunic just yeah every time but so there's good. lots of blood and dirt and gore and miserable stuff happening in the arena because vulnerability it does expose ourselves to judgment to criticism to resistance um and yet in this she says those that are valiantly fighting along with us are the, are the ones that are worth you know fighting with supposedly i mean and it, it goes far more deep in yeah. that but essentially regardless of who's in the arena or not when we're in our own arena it allows us to become more mm. so what does that arena fight you know, that vulnerability, that stepping out, that daring greatly, what does that do to shame? So very literally, she talks about how it's like the antidote to shame. Mm. However, there's other elements involved, which is empathy. So if I am opening up myself and I'm becoming vulnerable, I'm allowing an opportunity for other people to connect and empathize with my story, with my effort, with my courage. And the empathy is the more, I would say, catalytic part of, mm. of somewhat combating the shame because we are no longer alone in our struggle. Mm. So we open ourselves up for this opportunity. We are somewhat telling our so stories or letting ourselves be seen. Yeah. And in that, we find others among us that get it. Mm. And because loneliness is a miserable element of suffering. Mm. I would say probably one of the most dangerous parts of shame because shame fit tells you not only are you not enough you're the only one that's not enough mm. and no one's going to understand what you're going through and what you're feeling and so just be alone in all of that so when we are able to experience empathy with another person that gets it we feel less alone we feel more brave we feel more supported and can somewhat continue with this process of of vulnerability and combating the shame and doing whatever it is that is better for us so I feel like here we are kind of in our own rings in our own daily lives but I also feel like this episode is maybe a ring of our own where we're we're showing up we're talking about first of all we're just opening the doors and saying hey shame vulnerability let's talk about it um, but I think I would be remiss if I didn't share how vulnerability shows up in my life. If I didn't show, share, give like, Hey, this is how I know vulnerability is the opposite direction of shame. This is why I am spending time creating this episode and, you know, sharing it with other people. This is why I feel confident because I do believe so greatly in vulnerability vulnerability has shown up I feel like in a landslide in the last year like as soon as I had this conversation of hey I got a lot of shame I got a lot of shame it's everywhere as soon as I had that conversation and you know started therapy started uh, going through my trauma and my past that was when I, I almost was forced to step into vulnerability for me and my perspective it it's gotten to the point where I've had to get more uncomfortable with the shame-filled way that I was thinking about myself and living before I could open up to vulnerability. And I'd like to think I'm better at it now, that I'm, that I'm quicker at recognizing shame, right? That I don't wait until I'm miserable. 
tell my tooth is aching to go to the dentist. I have a little bit more foresight. But the the epitome of vulnerability to me has been just the last year of sharing about my childhood sexual abuse. And also my husband and I just recently talked about our near divorce and the mountain of vulnerability that we had to climb onto, <laughs> essentially just bearing and braving that wilderness of, I feel like we're the only people out here right now. And we're about to shout from this top of the mountain, hey, we're struggling. Are you too? And just look around and wait for, you know, a reply or response. But it was an interesting because even before we got the response, even before we published the podcast and started, you know, interacting with people who listened to it, we, we pushed the end button on the, the recording and I just looked at him. He looked at me and we're going, that was powerful. That was huge. That was a massive step in the direction of healing. That vulnerability, that um, honesty and authenticity of we were in this horribly dark place that felt lonely. We, I felt isolated. I felt like I was the only person who was experiencing um, separating from this person that I loved, right? In a super shame-filled culture, you know, where, where divorce is not supported or even really talked about or an option <laughs> yes and it felt so scary I felt like I was just quietly carrying the world behind me on a string um, and experiencing the vulnerability was it, it was really what allowed the the weight of the world to leave it was really what allowed me to take a breath and go okay there is an option there's another way for me to go um, a lot of fear of stepping into that ring, a lot of fear, a lot of fear of like our families know now that we almost got a divorce. Uh, my sister messaged me like the day after and was like, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. And I thought, I know you didn't have any idea. We didn't want you to have an idea. We didn't tell anybody because we were ashamed, you know, <laughs> um, but accepting that people maybe think differently of me. And of course, that's their business, not mine. But again, like I said before, I ha we had to get more uncomfortable with the, the direction that we were in, with the place we were in, until we were able to let connection and vulnerability drive out that shame. We had to say, okay, we're going to go get help for this, right? And that looked like starting therapy together. Um, and it still looks like therapy. We still come to therapy and talk about it. It continually looks like... Nathan coming to me and going, hey, feeling some shame creep back in, feeling some overwhelm, feeling like I want to go back to that place that I'm hiding from you. But here I am. Here's my heart. Take good care of it. Um, and it also has required me taking care of my own trauma and experiencing some really difficult moments of my past going, hey, um, this this really sucks and I really don't like this. But also the relief and the comfort that is provided to me afterward is always worth it. It's always worth, for me, the price I pay for vulnerability and authenticity is always worth the outcome because the outcome has room to breathe. It has room to grow and space to thrive. And I feel way less shrouded and stunted by shame and way more connected to the world around me and the people around me. So like your experience of somewhat being thrust into this vulnerability zone mm -hmm. has also 
it seems like built its own momentum that has continued to carry you forward towards more growing, towards more vulnerability, more honesty and authenticity. And it's built on itself to make it continually worth it to keep moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. It's like a snowball. Yeah. A a shame sucks, vulnerable (laughs) snowball. We're going down the hill. We're going really fast. Yeah. (laughs) But in talking about this, I think there's a couple things we need to highlight. First is, I mean, and we can see this, me and Emily were even talking just about her last podcast episode, and it's resonating quality to so many people, like the responses that she's gotten, because vulnerability, it does, it sends out like these (laughs) shockwaves. And that doesn't mean it hits everyone, especially based on maybe where they're at with their own shame, that Mm -hmm. some people see vulnerability as terrifying, and, and they're judging it, and that's kind of about their own stuff with with, with around maybe those certain concepts but for the most part and I would say even more so I think in where society is at now because so much of our experience is somewhat synthesized through virtual experiences mm. and social media that we I feel like are dying to have this truth barometer yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just hungry for something that is really honest and true and relatable Mm. because there's so much that isn't slap that on a t-shirt right now more t-shirts man (laughs) we're gonna do so good with our t-shirts so I feel like there's a hunger for that vulnerability and so and so it creates connection which is beautiful and connection I think is kind of the purpose of everything I'm a little Mm. biased but I truly do I feel like that's the reason we're alive is so that we can connect are you a therapist (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe a little bit a little bit on a daily basis yes um so okay so vulnerability helps people connect Mm. but we cannot also discuss these things without highlighting the ass kicking that happens yes sometimes we we seek out vulnerability and it does not go the way that Mm. we hope it does not create connection um it it maybe brings on judgment or criticism or really difficult experiences um that's that's a likely potential yes i'm not saying it happens and i i feel like that happens less often Mm. than than the connection and the resonance and the power but it has to be worth the risk in order for you to kind of step into that arena Mm -hmm. because of multiple things okay not only am i connecting with other people but i'm connecting more with myself and Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the most important element that it's like okay i'm gonna do this i'm going to put myself out there in whatever way and in doing it, I feel more myself. Mm. I feel more empowered in who I am, in my own voice, in my own presence. And that resonates just within the self. Mm-hmm. Like when we talked last episode about, you know, letting go of the shame is like, feels like to me coming home to myself in so many ways. Mm. Like when there's less shame, I feel like I have so much more room to go. Who is Emily? What does Emily like? What is Emily excited about in the morning? What is connective to her, you know? When I'm not filtering things through that shame, it feels exactly like what you said. There's so much more room for personal connection and growth. And I also think that that's kind of a, a beacon to other people, right? Like mm-hmm, other people totally. see. It's hey, contagious. Yes. Hey, they're living in this way. It kind of looks like I want to live in that way. Like it's, it's resonating with me. I think I like that. And maybe it's a matter of them not knowing exactly how to find that in themselves but it really is just this massive I guess call to action of hey you know stand up look up it's okay to 
it's okay to talk about this. It's okay to, to be together in this, you know? Yeah, and I think that also somewhat invites more empathy that it's like, okay, like I'm I'm inspired by you and what you're doing and I, I'm wanting to do that more myself. And when I, you know, fall face flat into the dirt, <laughs> I feel like you're going to get it and help me back up again, mm. that we can support each other in this really messy attempt to live an honest life mm. because um, – when things do go awry and maybe that shame does flare up again, we have to know how to navigate that. We have to know how to deal with that. Otherwise, we're just going to quit and be like, whatever. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> to hell with that. <laughs> that was horrible. Um, which people do. Yeah. And it makes sense, Hi, right? My name is Emily. I, <laughs> I did that. So, Erica, what do they do when they fall face first into the ground? They've got a mouthful of dirt. And nobody's there. What if they look up and and it it wasn't that hope exercise and empathy? Like mm-hmm. What happens when we fall face first for vulnerability? Oh, that's <laughs> such a good question. And I think there's probably various answers. I feel like in order – so I got an answer before that actually happens <laughs> because I think in order to really be prepared to, to do some of this work – you have to first start with loving yourself enough to put yourself out there Mm. because no one can step into this courage place without some element of self-love that it's worth fighting for myself, that it's worth, you know, having, being compassionate enough to be seen by others Mm. and all these scary humans in the world that there has to be an element of self-love that is cultivated in order to make it possible. And if that does exist, even to the small degrees, that that is what you call upon in those hours mm. of dirt face. <laughs> <laughs> dirt mouth. <laughs> dirt mouth. Because when you first asked that, I was going to say, take a breath. But if you've got <laughs> dirt in your mouth, take you're a just, breath. You're just, just a gonna, mindfulness. I don't know. Hi, I'm a therapist. <laughs> mindfulness will help with everything. <laughs> it does. That could be another podcast. But you don't want to be breathing dirt into your lungs. That's not a good idea. Asphyxiation. So you're calling upon that inner... I mean, you talk about inner child work a lot, and I feel like this is very in line with this idea that mm. you you decide to be there for yourself. Mm-hmm. When no one else is there, you have to figure out to be there for yourself. Because guess what? You're the only human that's always going to be there with you anyways. You're mm. the only constant in your relationships is your relationship with self. So cultivating and getting right with that person allows for far more resilience, far more courage, far more action-oriented anything mm. because you're on your own team. Mm. And 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 that's that's hard work because shame meets you, you know, at that yes. beginning line before you and even goes, "Hey, are you sure yeah, you want to do this?" Yeah. It's like you, you actually suck. Yeah. You suck and you're not good <laughs> enough and and you deserve that dirt in your face mm. and all of that. Like it's it's very cunning. Shame's a jerk. Shame's, shame is lame. <laughs> Trademarked. Trademark. I really am. I'm going to do it, people. It's going to be bumper stickers. But it is. Shame is a jerk. It really is. It's horribly cruel. And yet, it's coming straight from us. Mm-hmm. You know, it knows exactly where to aim because it is, you know, within us. It's, it's somewhat of the mole inside us. Mm. Can you? Tell us a time, maybe, possibly, if you feel, I don't know, vulnerable, <laughs> um, about maybe when you had your ass kicked, mouth full of dirt. Yes. Yes. And it was, I would say, relatively recent. 
And there was a whole lot of dirt. I mean, I was messy. There was blood. There was snot. It was everything. It was really, really hard. So it was a little over a year ago. I was, at the time, I was working at a university at the counseling center, and I had been there for about six years, um, mostly doing part-time work. Sometimes I was doing full-time, just kind of depending on what was going on during that semester. Um, but I had been there for a long time. And and there was somewhat of a slow build of like, at what point would I be ready to like apply for a full time, mm. a full time position? And so, you know, life was finally at that point, and I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to apply. And there was, you know, an opening that was happening um, in a certain time frame. So, you know, I went through all the things, and and in the meantime, a lot of people in the department were just like, yeah, like we're so excited. Mm. There was so much hype, and even in doing that, I was trying to maintain somewhat neutrality yeah, like, and I I'm was cool I was it's fine I was failing at it <laughs> I was trying to be like okay I can't have any expectations like I know there's always a lot of potential outcomes like mm-hmm. no, don't get ahead of yourself and really assuming what is going to happen so I went through the whole process trying to stay neutral failing I didn't realize that until afterwards <laughs> but I, I I felt like I was trying my best um and I was putting myself out there that I was finally like because, okay, speaking of vulnerability, something that brings out a lot of vulnerability for me is amongst my colleagues. Mm. You know, I don't necessarily feel it in the same way with as far as like opening up about myself or, you know, I, I don't mind being goofy. My husband really, he, he's not good at doing that publicly. That's mm. super vulnerable for him. For me, it's like, ah, uh, whatever. Second That's nature. like every other day for me. I, <laughs> I really don't have an issue with that. Yeah. But amongst my colleagues... I, there's a lot of shame that kind of shows mm. up that I don't know enough or I'm not mm. as experienced enough. And I think that probably happens in a lot of professional yeah. settings. Like Actually, imposter syndrome? Yes, totally. So here I am putting myself out, trying to kind of like build myself up for this experience. And I'm one of the two candidates. Mm. And um, I didn't get it. Mm. I didn't get it. Face full of dirt. And here I am like thinking I'm neutral. And then I was just like completely bulldozed with like this shame of, Man, that hurt way worse than I thought yes. it was. Like, what am I going to do? I felt so, so invalidated um, because of all things my insecurities wanted the most, it was to be validated mm. by my colleagues. That, yes, you are good enough at this. And, yes, you here's the position to somewhat prove it, that we validate you. Yes. And I we so, see you. So I was coming into this as somewhat of a vulnerable applicant. And then I just – I. Yeah, and then the ass was kicked. (laughs) It was, and I was down. And then it was followed by this slew of experiences, which, and this happens, in the end was actually better for me. But I, so I I shifted gears and I decided, okay, well, maybe I will open my own practice, which was so scary. (laughs) Honestly, never on my radar. That was never something I ever wanted to do. And so it was like this whole new sea of struggles and a whole series of other failures like I lost my supervisor um because of where I was within my licensing at that point there was all sorts of rejection from all sorts of insurance companies Mm. the book that I was writing a publisher also rejected Uh. that in this period of time and I was just down like I just flat yeah failure and I we were good friends and I hated (laughs) him but he just kept showing up (laughs) And so it was really, really hard. And honestly, I don't have any miraculous, like, and then all of it came together. No rainbow moment. No, it was like a grueling yet gradual, like, incline of of kind of pulling myself up and getting through it and learning things. 
practicing a whole lot of self-compassion all along the way, practicing a whole lot of reaching out to other people. Like there was a lot of, a lot of talk with others, a lot of opening up myself. I'm like, here I am struggling in this. And I'm, I was able to be met with empathy so that I felt less alone from other people. And so it wasn't the fantastic Hollywood ending in the way that we love so much <laughs> yes. that it was like a really you didn't have a full was, circle moment quite yet. No, but it, but I felt like now looking back at it, I mean, in the same thing that you guys talked about in your podcast, it was like you wouldn't have taken that away because now I'm in a far better place. Mm. Like where I am, even professionally, I feel like I have I was thrust into this arena of growing myself up and. Mm and developing more skills because I couldn't rely on anyone else. Like I had to just be my best clinician. Um, And so I I did, I I raised to that challenge, but there's a lot of bruises along the way and a lot of pain and tears, lots of tears, a lot of water leaked from my face. (laughs) Many much crying. Many much crying, But but it was worth it because now I feel like I am more, I am more who I want to be as a therapist then mm, I probably would have you. I am more me 110 mm-hmm. percent I am and I had to pay those prices like you're saying but it was it was worth it it was worth the fee mm. so what do you have to say to that person who has a mouthful of dirt who went out on the ledge or stepped out into the rain and wasn't immediately met with empathy first off it's okay to cry it's okay to feel like you're the only one and that you're mm-hmm. completely overwhelmed in this despair. Um, it's okay to feel and I would say believe the lie that you are alone. It's okay. And when you're ready, start to love yourself more. Start to say kinder things mm-hmm. that feel actually in, incongruent with what the shame is telling you that probably feels more believable. Um, do it anyways, because that's what's going to allow you to keep slowly standing up and walking forward and opening your arms to those people that are maybe ready to be there for you. And even if they're not, because maybe that's not part of the story. Maybe you are alone for a really long time. Then you take those arms and you hug yourself Ugh. and you love yourself Ugh. because. That, you know, if someone else can't give you empathy to help you feel like you're less alone, then you have to give that to yourself. You have to somehow, even if it, I mean, and truly, like, we see this on movies where people go through a massive trauma and they're holding themselves and they're rocking themselves. Because at their basis, that is what is comforting. Do that. Like, hug yourself. Or, mm-hmm. or you know, somehow give yourself some physical compassion that is comforting that's what we do the people we love and that's what we can do to ourselves in those really low moments Mm. and your brain will react to that like that releases brain chemicals that does help us to foster more resilience but it's hard and it's normal that it's hard but you're not stuck there so we have you know, a definition of vulnerability. We've talked about what can come from being vulnerable. We've talked about what you do when you have a mouthful of dirt because you were vulnerable. What about tools to facilitate vulnerability? Like, like what if you're like, hmm, I love all of this, but where in the heck do I start with vulnerability? So two, two things come to mind. And one of them is something I keep saying, like 
be aware of when your body feels vulnerable. Mm. And, and it's the same thing with shame. Like you're developing the self-awareness to recognize, ooh, that feels uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. what's that? Maybe that's vulnerability. Like what's going on? Um, so that there is more self-awareness. And then also identify, like make a list. Like what brings out vulnerability in me? Like what, what causes that feeling? For me, like I said, it was colleagues. Mm. In high school, and I'm not in the same place with this anymore, but Oh, it was definitely other young female peers that were beautiful. Yes. And, and, and I, you know, so much comparison. And I was a dancer. And so not only was I comparing myself to them socially, but like very big time physically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, we're all in leotards. Like, oh, <laughs> this is miserable. And there's mirrors everywhere. Nothing to the imagination. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of vulnerability around body image for me. Mm. Boys made me feel vulnerable, too. Oh, you know, yes. all those hormones and feelings and... So, I mean, that was that stage of life. Now my stage of life is is different, but but sometimes not. Yeah. Maybe it's those other perfect looking moms. moms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or it. I actually, and I've noticed this through years of self-awareness work, I'm very vulnerable around people who are not vulnerable. <gasps> oh, people my People that are, and it took me a long time to realize that. Unlocked that I thought it was just door. like, oh, it was just people that, you know, looked so perfect or something or, mm. and yet it's, it's really people that are more emotionally closed off that mm. you really don't know much about them. Cause like, then you're uh, like wondering. Yeah. And I can't read anything off of them. I get super vulnerable around Oh my them. gosh. All the people pleasing empaths just heard that and are like, oh my gosh, you've unlocked a door into their brain. <laughs> Another thought utilize the the words as a tool in your relationships this is something that very much comes i'm like okay you guys did such a good job i think describing and even somewhat demonstrating how to discuss vulnerability within a relationship like when my husband says this is this makes me feel vulnerable i tune in big time Mm. it's like my ears all of a sudden turn Mm -hmm. (laughs) towards him and there's full attention and hopefully vice versa too when I'm really expressing and using the word vulnerability he's listening it's a big time signal to like tune in because I know what it feels like for me I know the shame that packs into that for me and so I can understand the magnitude of that for him so Mm -hmm. using those words as well as you know expressing what that really means because sometimes people misunderstand vulnerability they think it's just weakness or they think it's oh there's so much misunderstanding at least in the way that we are defining it here okay because really it's just a word and so people can define it in all sorts of ways in the context that we are discussing vulnerability it is not at all weakness and so that has to be understood when you're using those words of what the words mean Mm. and we could go into you know be with somebody who respects your vulnerability, uh, cultivate those traits in your relationship. You know, that's a skill to practice. That's a podcast for another day. Mm. Uh, so, so we've got a list. We've got a running list. Um, use, use words. Um, hey, I'm feeling vulnerable or this is really vulnerable for me. Maybe make a list of what makes you feel vulnerable, right? So for you, it, it was leotard ladies in high school. <laughs> for, na- for us now, it's like moms, right? The comparison mm-hmm. of moms. Um, I would say for me as a, an added tool would be to write things down. I process mm-hmm. things really well when I write. So do you process things really well when you work out or when you're at work 
Do you process things really well on long drives or is it in your therapist's office? How do you process? Where do you process things? Or are you processing at all? I think that all by itself is something to be said that you need to process. Like you can't just listen to this podcast and be like, good, I did all the work. (laughs) There. Done. No, like there needs to be a momentum that builds. Like Mm. when people are in sessions, I'm often like, okay, this is one hour. Actually, it's not even. It's 50 minutes out of all the other hours in the week that if there isn't anything that brings that momentum throughout the rest of the week. And it's it's just one hour. Yes. Then it's just one hour. And and sure, it might be great and helpful. Helpful, but it's going to be far less helpful if there isn't a continuing, a continuing of processing. And like, I love that, that you're saying, define what that is for you. Find your own groove, but make sure you're grooving. There has to be momentum. You threw off my groove. <laughs> yes. Groove with vulnerability. Another t-shirt. Groove with vulnerability. Um, lean into that uncomfortable place. Again, Erica said it. Make yourself a safe person, right? Be safe for yourself so that when you're recognizing, hey, feeling vulnerable, this is a hard thing, you can have your own back and say, hey, I got you, self, and give yourself a hug, you know? And on those days when you maybe can't, make another safe person. This is actually something Brene talks about, too, that it's like find a person that you can start to practice this with. Like a buddy, like on field trips. Have a buddy. Go nowhere without a buddy. And this is the person that you call Mm. and that you are able to be like, okay, I am in it. I am overwhelmed. I am direct facing it. We're in it. And I've done this. So I've got lots of sisters. (laughs) And sometimes I take turns with the different (laughs) sisters. But I have specific memories that are kind of burned into my brain of where I was at my lowest and I called a sister and I was like, I don't know how to do this anymore. Like what what on earth will help me and often they were like I have no idea but I love you anyways uh, that yes. that I get the struggle and this is so hard these were times when I was in grad school and pregnant with my second baby and doing an internship and had a lot of church responsibilities and just like so overwhelmed and I called my sister like how and she's like I don't know I don't I don't know at all <laughs> I, I don't know how I survived it either because she had very similar life experiences but somehow in talking to her and her saying I don't know but I love you and this was hard and I get it it, it actually helped she didn't have the miracle words, but it was the experience of sharing with her that helped me feel less overwhelmed, less shame, less all of that stuff. stuff. <laughs> so this is us saying, we don't know, but we remember and we love you. We're so proud that you're here. Ugh, so many good things. Always, as always with Erica, I hope you take some notes. And with Emily. She's a freaking rock star. (laughs) And someday we'll get our t-shirts. We'll get them launched. They'll be great. They'll be fun. They'll be maybe a little more mentally ill, but it's funny. (laughs) Erica, before we go, what do you have for us? Any last thoughts, feelings, impressions, a send-off have you? I guess I would say that if you are inclined to this journey of vulnerability, trust that it can enhance your life in multiple ways. But for me, I feel like trying to step into that growth space, trying to be my most vulnerable and authentic and honest self has allowed me to be my best me. And I know that sounds really simple, but truly we are 
only ever us. And if mm. we find power in, in living our lives as us, that just compounds the meaning and value, I think, of living. And so I feel like vulnerability is an integral element to living a valuable, meaningful life. Thank you for being here, you incredible human. I'm Emily. And I'm Erica. And And this this is Speaking Speaking to Shame. I can't wait to rediscover who we were before shame told us we weren't enough. I can't wait to find those parts of us that need healing, that feel unfindable and unlovable, and remind them that shame is not our truth, 